everyone and welcome to episode 548 of So You Want to Be a Writer, the podcast that's all about writing and publishing. My name's Valerie Koo. I'm CEO of the Australian Writer Centre, the world's leading centre for writing courses, and I'm your host. What have you been up to this week? I hope you've been able to do some writing and I also hope you've been able to feed your creative soul with a bit of, you know, inspiration. I think that it's so interesting that it's so different for everyone and that it can come from the oddest places, inspiration that is. Sometimes it's from someone we know, other times it's from like a piece of art or a book or some music. But one thing I actually hear really often from authors, and if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you may have noticed it too, is that a lot of writers often get inspiration from reading a newspaper or magazine article, you know, whether that's print or online, it doesn't matter. And there's some little fact in the article that sparks their their imagination and, you know, they're off. So I encourage you to read news-related items because often there's just that little thing, that little seed of an idea in there that could lead you to something even bigger. And that bigger thing may even have nothing to do with the original idea, but it was the trigger that kicked it all off. Anyhow, also, I have, apart from reading magazine and newspaper articles, I have a lot of books on my to-be-read pile a lot. (laughs) Um, And so if I pick up a book and the opening doesn't grab me right away, I'll often choose something else. I'm not going to lie. So for this week's tip, I asked the fabulous Pamela Freeman, who is our Director of Creative Writing at the Australian Writers' Centre and, of course, an award-winning author, about the secrets of a good opening. Now, she says, an opening may perform a number of functions – The number one function of an opening is to get the reader interested. Gaining the reader's interest can happen in quite a few ways. Most rarely, a reader may get interested because the writing is so beautiful, but most readers don't read because they want beautifully crafted prose. Most readers want stories told through great characters. So when you're working on your opening, don't concentrate too hard on making it pretty. Get it moving instead. So that's great advice from Pamela. I think we can safely say that Pamela is an expert on openings. She's published more than 40 books and she also created and presented a fantastic seminar specifically on crafting compelling openings as part of our Focus On series. So it's called Focus On Openings and it just lays out the the blueprint on what you need to write a fantastic opening that will make your reader keep reading. You can find out more at writerscentre.com.au slash openings. That's writercentercomau slash openings. Now let's move on to our competition this week. This week's giveaway takes us to a special bookstore in France where books are prescribed to customers. We have three copies of The Little French Village of Book Lovers by internationally best-selling author Nina George to give away. So here's the blurb. Monsieur Perdue returns in this new novel from the international best-selling author of The Little Paris Bookshop. Returning to Jean Perdue's beautiful barge on the Seine, his literary apothecary where he's spent many years prescribing just the right book to his customers, we now come to discover the novel that has been most important to his own life. As his floating bookshop arrives in the soft lights of Provence, 
Perdue shares the book that has healed him, brought him happiness, anchored him, and shown him his way in life. Okay, well, I have three copies to give away, so all you need to do is go to writerscentercomau slash win and follow the instructions. It's very easy to enter. Entries close on the 17th of July. So that's writercenter.com.au slash win. And if you're listening to this, you know, because you're going through our back catalogue or something, because it's sometime in the future, that's fine. You can still go to that URL because there'll be some other fantastic competition there for you to enter. And now... Are you ready for the word of the week? Well, I hope you are because this week's word of the week, I I really like this word for some reason, is mendacious. That's M-E-N-D-A-C-I-O-U-S, mendacious. What does it mean? Well, it's an adjective meaning false or untrue. So you could say the website was notorious for publishing obviously mendacious stories. (laughs) There you go mendacious. And that was the word of the week. This podcast is brought to you by the Australian Writers' Centre, a world leader in writing courses. Our popular course, Creative Writing Stage 1, is the perfect way to unlock your creativity and explore the world of writing. You only need a couple of hours a week and you'll learn how to create memorable characters, believable dialogue and captivating plots, all in a supportive environment in this five-week online course. Whether your goal is to write a bestseller or simply tell better stories, learn at home with your very own tutor giving you personal feedback each week. Find out more at writerscentercomau slash creative writing. Let's move on to our writer in residence this week. Today, I'm talking to Megan White. Megan is a novelist whose debut novel is The Anatomy of Songs. She has a fascination with human anatomy, which fuels her work as a physiotherapist and is the subject of some slightly morbid works of art, apparently. While Megan grew up in rural New South Wales, Australia, she recently moved to Scotland in the UK, where she is combining her work as a physio with her newfound success as an author. Thanks so much for joining us today, Megan. Thanks for having me, Valerie. It's very exciting. I am so excited for you and so excited about this book, The Anatomy of Songs. I was just getting off a Zoom call with a bunch of people and I just was saying, you have to read this book. It is absolutely fantastic. So for those who have not yet got their hands on a copy, can you tell us what it's about? Yeah, uh, yes. So The Anatomy of Songs is um, a a dark adult fantasy. Um, We've got a dual point of view going. So our female main character is a healer by day and an assassin by night. Um, And our male main character is the crown prince um, of the kingdom and happens to be her next target. So um, yeah, while they're working out that conflict, there's also a bit of an enemy nation that's trying to burrow their way in as well. Yeah, so that's kind of the premise of what it's about, yes. (laughs) So this story is so rich in ideas, in um, its themes, in just the story in itself. How in the world did you come up with this idea? (laughs) Um, I suppose it goes back 
quite a few years by now. By the time it comes out, it'll be six years, really. Um, so I was studying, I've trained as a physiotherapist in Australia and um, the idea sort of blossomed out of, I was learning so much human anatomy and physiology and kind of looking at all of these facts thinking like, wow, the human body is so intricate and incredible, um, like really robust, but also really fragile at the same time. So, you know, one little nerve, one blood vessel, you know, one cascade in this whole thing that happens. Like if, if one of those things went wrong, that's it. Like it's life's done. So that's kind of where she came from being like, um, she's got all of these facts and can use them to heal people and also use them to kill people. So, um, it kind of all blossomed from that. And I wanted, I thought, look, like this anatomy and physiology is so cool. Like how can other people not think this is cool? Like I have to tell everyone. Um, oh, it's absolutely brilliant. Now with that background in physiotherapy and the study of anatomy and all of that, you obviously went into that career. When did you think, oh, I want to write? Oh, gosh, that like almost from the beginning, like I I adore being a physiotherapist. I, I love the job and I love the people and the things that you get to do. But I found even from studying at university, everyone else was super invested in this career in the same way that I was like, oh my goodness, I really want to write. So it was, it was from the very beginning. And I think that's what was a comfort for me while I was writing this book. It's like, it, it doesn't have to be one or either. You can love both of these things and you can do both of these things. So um, that, that was a really cool thing to realize for me. Um, oh, but yes. I've always wanted to write since I was about 16 or 17, secreted away in my bedroom. I've been typing away. Yeah. So have you always wanted to write fantasy? Like why the choice of writing an adult fantasy novel? Um, I've I've always loved fantasy. It's always been my number one genre. Um, like John Flanagan, the whole inheritance Aragon cycle, they have always been my thing. Um, I pitched the anatomy of songs as a as a YA, um, not I think purely based on the character's age, not realizing that the themes and the things that I was writing about were actually much, much more um, geared towards an adult sort of readership. Um, so, yeah, I kind of think it, it turned into an adult novel by itself purely because of the themes that I wanted to explore. So, um, like, writing for me has always been about trying to get in these huge emotional spectrum that I experience um, and letting other people feel something. So I, I think that is geared towards the adult readership, yes. Now, it sounds like you started off with the themes first, like the that that fine line that you that you walk about the fragility of life, but also the resilience of life. So it sounds like you started off with the themes first, but it has a really interesting story. So where did that come from? Like how did you start piecing together what was actually going to happen? Um good question. <laughs> um I don't, again like I still think it falls back to that themes thing I'm not this is not really a spoiler but like the enemies to lovers thing is really interesting I just wanted to explore um where relationships took people so like relationships between fathers and daughters and between sisters and between someone like of a romance sort of aspect as well so I I think I was always character based and theme based and I just let those sort of roll into a plot um 
I think I always knew how it was going to end. Like I, I, I like um, that would be a spoiler. I can't say that. So you knew oh, where you were going to go. I knew where I was going to go. Um, and I knew sort of this idea of like sacrifice and how, how I wanted it to end, but I didn't really quite know the plot points, but they just, I just play like a film in my head and just, I'm like, oh yeah, I'll write that bit next. Yeah. I'll write that bit next. So I think the plot just kind of took on its own legs really. <laughs> right. So it sounds to me like you knew your destination, but you kind of, you didn't, as you say, you didn't have the plot points, but you just kept on writing and things developed and things emerged, right? Which makes for a huge editing process, <laughs> but a really fun first draft, yes. <laughs> okay. So um, I think that um, the, 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 the world you have created in Sundsvall, have I pronounced it right? How am I? Sundsvall. Sundsvall. Yeah. <laughs> the, the world that you've created is, as I say, so rich and so believable and I also want to say to listeners who don't normally read adult fantasy because you know there are people who don't um this is your gateway drug people (laughs) this is this is you're going to enjoy it for sure even if you don't normally read it um so the world I want to talk about the world And the things that happen in the world, because I certainly got lost in it. I it it was it's so believable. So, what did you need to do to create this world that ended up just, you know, it's not even it's it's not that it's overly descriptive or anything like that, and yet it is so real. <laughs> what did you need to, need to do to create that world in your head and then make it come out on the page? Yeah, I I think. Um, Sunsville as as the city is kind of has a life of its own in my head like it's almost its own character for me um, so again like thematically I love to explore those um, sort of like darker grimier settings in that like we're on Instagram and TikTok and everything looks beautifully golden hazed. And even in relationships with people, you always talk about the best parts of your life and the things that are good and the good updates and stuff like that. Whereas we don't, we don't talk about the hard bits and the bits that hurt and are painful and are a bit dirty and grimy about ourselves. And that's what this city is for me. Like these, all of the characters are fighting for something and living within this one place because this is the bit of life that means something to them. So um, I don't know, the setting again just came about by itself. Like it's a bit of a, it's like the worst of the worst and also the best of the best in this city. And it's kind of just, um, I I don't know, it just is this dark, grimy alleyway kind of city. And I just love, yeah, I love that about it. I just think that, um, yeah, life's not always pretty, and yes. this is a good way to explore that. Really, tell um, me about tell me about your when you were writing your first draft because you had to juggle obviously your work as a, a physiotherapist at the time. So, how did you fit it in? Did you have certain <laughs> days that you dedicated to it, or how did you fit it in? Yeah, this is slightly embarrassing. I like would go to work, come home from work, go to the gym, and then I would have sort of my evening and. I would tuck myself up in bed because no one else really in my life knew about the writing and I would just sit myself up in bed and type away until I felt too sleepy and that was it. So honestly, the whole manuscript was written in my bed. Well, how many hours would it be every night? Uh, Most nights, yeah. Sometimes I gave myself weekends off, sometimes not. 
And how many hours after you came home from work in the gym did you do that for? Oh, I would I would aim for like two hours, but I don't reckon I'd get two hours every time. No. Wow, that's brilliant. That's just consistent practice, right? That's just a consistent effort at showing up. And okay, so after how long of of a period of time of doing that did you have your first draft? Oh, I reckon maybe it took me like a good year and a half or maybe almost two years. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's incredible and (laughs) brilliant persistence. So at some point you did courses at the Australian Writers' Centre. I did. So why did you choose to do that? Um. Well, I'd written manuscripts before this that were even I could look back on and be like, that's not really worth pursuing at all. Um, and I I started to realise that um, like no, well, some people might be, but you can't just be like a prodigy at writing. Like there is, there's craft behind this and it's worth learning. Um, and I thought, oh, you could go to university or I was already in university though and working for like it was a bit much. I was like, well, what? like what small taste of creative writing and learning can I do without sort of committing to like a whole university degree or something like that. Um, So I found these courses online and um, yeah, just sort of fit that in within my um, holidays and whenever I could. And I did it online, which was great. Um, Yeah. And I learnt that first little bit of craft from that creative writing stage one, that was like a bit of a light bulb moment being like, Oh you know, there's stuff to like, there's stuff to learn. There's a, not a formula, but like a bit of a formula that can help you out. Um, yeah. And yeah, it just teaches you to like structure things and um, like what you need in a scene. I go back to that lesson on what should be in a scene through the whole drafting process, the whole editing process. Um, like the courses have just been so, so useful. Um, yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> I'm thrilled to hear it. Now, um, with the after you wrote your first draft, then mm-hmm. what happened next? Like, talk talk us through the getting the book deal. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. So I um, what well, finished the first draft, did all of my possible editing that I could, restructuring myself, um, and then I did a bit of a beta reader swap with um another girl I met her name's Madeline Tevu and you should read her oh book. Madeline yeah yes. absolutely yes yeah, so oh, yeah. yes yes she's a graduate as well absolutely yes yeah. so we did a beta reader swap so we had both read each other's manuscripts um and she got picked up by New Dawn Publishing um and by some twist of fate I owe it all to her um she mentioned to them um and we got in touch sort of through her sort of emailing and um yeah I sent my whole manuscript to them and then I it was a long time it was a couple of months so that's not that long (laughs) yeah yeah I know in the scheme of things in the scheme of things yeah um no I so I'd been like getting my visa ready packing my bags quitting my job being like I'm heading off to the UK it's time to start a whole new story. I'd totally like thrown the anatomy of songs away. I was like, no one likes it. I don't like it anymore. In fact, I hate it. Like we're done here. Um, (laughs) I'm going to start something new. I think I was thinking like some Regency inspired Rome, um, like Arabian inspired Regency or something. I was, I was off on a new story. Um, And then I got this email back and they're like, yeah, we want it. I'm like, no, I don't like it anymore. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But I signed with them and 
they followed me through grainy sort of Wi-Fi Zoom calls all the way overseas and it's it's worked out, which has been really lucky. <laughs> and you mustn't not not like it anymore because it's absolutely brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> no, but it was a process of me learning to love it again. Really? Like, yeah, like I'd really soured towards it being like, no one wants this. It's just been rejected. Like, I don't like it anymore. Um, there's so much wrong with it. And um, yeah, I don't. So that means the best part of this whole publishing process has been these editors and readers that are like suddenly excited about it I'm like are you are you really sure you're excited about it? like you really want me to scribble in the front of your book like mm. <laughs> so I'm still yeah like I, I adore it I love the story but it was just a funny moment of me having to completely backflip on yeah on what I thought about it yeah had you sent it to other publishers I uh, like a couple um I'd made I'd mainly sort of gone for um agents I was too scared to send it straight to publishers um I've gone for a couple of agents that like had not really sort of warmed to it but yeah wow okay that's brilliant because um <laughs> it's it's going to be huge it's yeah. fantastic now um talk to me about like your so you you decided oh I'm going to move to Scotland <laughs> um to you know, experience life and all of that and work as a physiotherapist. So mm -hmm. you were doing your edits from there, is that right? That's correct, yes. So I was doing all of those first structural edits while I was um, travelling around Scotland and then um, I got a job and started working as a physio, so through that whole time, yeah. So while you were working full-time there, did you do the thing where you went to the gym and then was, went, got into bed and started doing the edits every evening or how did that work? No joke. I tried to set myself up at a desk and it was like stale. I did, No words, nothing happened. I was like, oh, my goodness, I've forgotten how to write. This is really bad. Light bulb moment. I was like, oh, what if what if I put myself to bed? Like, I wonder if that would work again. Perfect. Everything started flowing. I'm like, no way. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to physio myself out of neck and back problems because it only happens, it only happens in bed. Oh my god. Okay. So I just want to read a paragraph from the book and kiss Kisira, am I pronouncing that right? Yeah, perfect. Yeah, Kisira is, a, as you say, a healer by day and an assassin by night. And she is in her healing space. Okay. Um, and, you know, yeah, so she's in her healing space. <laughs> so Polterson, one of the pit fighters, pushes his ugly head through the gap, followed by his arm sporting an open gash in the span of my hand. His blood drip, drip, drips onto the floor. There is another river inside me, a deep crimson stretch of water. Each drop of Polterson's blood is an echoing beat in the song that burbles through that river, Silver Song. Polterson's body is full of lilting runs and staccato light skipping through his veins. It flows with life and fervour, but I can hear the pain, hear the way the music warps around his arm, the flesh screaming, a high mournful tone in the melody, I can't help but respond to it, to fix the body that is broken. I was born for this, just like my mother, just like my little sister, daughters of silver, each one of us. Now, your background in physiotherapy comes through with that because of the, you know, the, the discussion about the anatomy. 
I want to know whether and and the and the book is called The Anatomy of Songs. Do you have a background with music and what's the interest in music? I I don't have a background in music. <laughs> I don't. The funny thing, I used to go home um, and visit like my family and my brother and he used to ask me, have you learned to sing yet? I'm like, no, <laughs> um, I I have no musical talent at all. Um, I, I always um, like I love listening to music. Um, I don't know, that's born completely out of imagination though. Yeah. So where did all that come from then? Where, you know, where? <laughs> I make it up. <laughs> I don't know. That's incredible. Did you have to do any research then, not just about music, but in general for this, for this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, um, even with all of the anatomy and physiology Mm. that's in there, I did quite a bit of research. Again, none of it is intended as a guide to anyone in field medicine (laughs) or anything. Like there is definitely a lot of creative license in this. Um, I mean, yeah, in terms of like um, time periods and um, yes, and some of that sort of medical knowledge, I did a bit of research in that. Um, No research in music, that's all purely made up. I'm sorry, musicians out there. That's astounding. (laughs) It is just, I just, I I assumed that you had some kind of background in music because it was. Oh, absolutely not. No, I wish. (laughs) I absolutely wish. (laughs) It was so lyrical and beautifully written. Um, So what's the plan now? Because this is your debut novel, but I can tell it's going to go very well. And, but you're also working as a physiotherapist. So what's the plan, the, the life plan? What do you want to do? Uh, How do you want to combine this? Please let me know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, so I think um, like we started, we finished finished the edits on this book one and they, the editors kind of asked me, so like what's happening in book two? I'm like, excuse me, book two? Like what? (laughs) Um, I think starting out as a debut fantasy, all of the information out there is telling you to write a standalone. Um, and that would be easier to sell. So that's the mind frame that I went into this book with. Yes. Um, and I had just totally forgotten that it could go anywhere else. So, <laughs> um, yeah, there is a book too. It will be a duology. So that's kind of the immediate future plan. Um, I've got a lot of other shiny ideas that I want to get out there too. They all still sit within that adult realm. Um, and a lot of them still sit within that sort of like, interest in physiology um I've been doing some research on like early onset dementia which could make a really good story um and like women and contraception and stuff like that so like I've got lots of ideas and I want to keep writing I suppose it's just um yeah finding places in the market for those things okay so let's talk about book two have you started writing it I have yes so how I start- far into it are you um uh I would say I've just started writing act three so I'm, okay. I'm still in that first draft of it, definitely. Okay. So this is a slightly different situation because the characters exist, the world exists yeah. and so on, right? Yeah. So with book two, have you started with, as you did in book one, themes as opposed to a plot premise? No, I went the opposite way and I started mm. with a plot premise. Yeah. Because in the same way, I know how I want it to end. Yes. Um, I just didn't know how to get it there. Like I know where I'm going. Just have to work out the plot in the middle. <laughs> yeah. So I know this is very early in your author career, mm-hmm. but you do have um, a bunch of ideas 
yeah. that, that you want to explore. Yeah. So have you given any thought to, you know, I might write, I'm making this up, obviously, a book a year, or I might do spend this much time researching, this much of the year researching, this much time writing, whatever. Have you given any, you know, forward planning, um, any thought to forward planning? Not not particularly in that I think um, me sort of coming and going from Scotland and my visa will end so I will have to come back to Australia um, and working out sort of how much I want to do of physio and how much I want to do of other things. It's all feeling still quite tumultuous really. So um, what's your gut I, tell you? What would you like the mix to be? I I would love to work like one or two, day, two days as a physio and then mm. spend three days writing. That's my gut. <laughs> That's that, that's go. what's going to happen. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay. What was the most surprising thing about the process of writing this book? And if there wasn't something surprising, what was the most enjoyable thing? Um, I think what we were talking about before, like I, I had like in my mind mentally so discarded this book that. Because you were rejecting people before they could reject you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it's like when you self-sabotage a relationship or a date or something, right? Someone's going to send me to therapy after this, Valerie. Thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, you haven't no. even sent it to that many publishers. I know. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, I don't know. Confidence building this is. Um, no. So I think the most enjoyable thing has been, like, people investing in it and loving it and me realizing that I'm allowed to love it again as well. Um, so every step along the way, it's gotten better and better and better because of the input of these editors. And um, yeah, and even at, I was, I was at Comic-Con last weekend and I met my first readers and I got this little like hand calligraphy note, like the whole, the whole process has been so heartwarming and so confidence building and it's just been so much fun watching people like fall in love with these characters that I have been living with for six years. Like, so what kind of feedback have you had from readers then? Um, I think. I, I mean, it uh, hasn't uh, been out, out, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, so exactly. It's, it's the people who really managed to get a copy, yeah. Um, I like I get excited by like oh they love um there's a bit of a love triangle and they love the other one that I don't like or you know something like that or there's little snippets at the start of each chapter that are yes. rooted in that anatomy and physiology and some people come back and like oh it's so lyrical it's beautiful like I love these and I'm, I'm like great I love that bit too um so do I Oh, good. <laughs> um, yeah, so just like people that have been, this scene made me cry or I love this character, please don't kill How them How does that I'm make like, you feel? How does that make you feel? Um, I don't I don't know. I think I have a habit of distancing myself from things so I don't feel it too much because, like, I don't really know how to cope with it. <laughs> um, oh, my God, I think that's deeply rooted in that whole I'm going to reject them before they reject me. Sorry, this is terrible. <laughs> this wasn't supposed to be so vulnerable and revealing, Valerie. <laughs> oh, oh, my no. God. Yeah, no, but I think um, in the same thing, like, this writing was about making people feel things because I yes. am the same way, like, so empathetic and so on this roller coaster of emotions that I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm not sure. After this, I'll probably sit down and have a think and like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, 
so everyone, you need to get yourself a copy. The Not only are you moved by the story, you for me, I was moved by the sheer quality of the writing. So um, congratulations, Megan. Um, let's leave with what are your top three tips to not, not so much craft tips, but, you know, there are people who are wanting to get their debut, debut novel out there and there's a lot of stuff that they need to uh, get through, you know. I don't mean tips about sitting in your bed every night or anything <laughs> like that. But that. What, what are some tips that you um, can give to those aspiring writers who might be giving up or who might be deciding they're going to hate that manuscript or yeah. something like that? <laughs> um. Oh, that's really tricky. Three of them's tricky. Um, I, I think I would start with, um, and it's what kept me going for a long time, purely just um, if you can't, like, I know it's tricky to keep going, but you have to keep going. If not for yourself or for anyone else that you're writing it for, your characters deserve to know how it ends. Like, you have to finish it. Um, they deserve to know how their story ends. So just just keep going. Um, another one is I just, I think same thing along those confidence lines, like, um, you're, you're, they say nothing's new under the sun and kind of true, but no one's written it like you have. And there, there is validity in your story. So like, whether it's fantasy and no one thinks fantasy is like a legitimate genre in your life or whatever it is, or. Um, whether it's like romance or like erotic or whatever it is, like people love these stories and there is validity in your story and people will want to read it. So like just keep going. Like don't think that it's not, don't think that it's not a valid thing to write because it is. We want your story. The book community is insane. I have never been in another community that is so accepting yes. and so supportive. Like the book community wants your story. So remember that. Brilliant. Um, <laughs> two was good. They were two Let's good go, ones. Let's go with so, two. Okay. <laughs> I love that. All right. Um, congratulations again, Megan, and thank you so much for your time today. Thank you, Valerie. It's been a blast. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Megan. Now, before I leave you, I have a fun fact for you. The word clue as in a fact or hint or bit of information that can lead you to, you know, solving a riddle or a crime, comes from, did you know this, from an ancient word for a ball of yarn. In Greek mythology, Theseus used a ball of yarn, a clue, C-L-E-W, to help him out of the Minotaur's labyrinth. And eventually the word clue came to mean something that helps to solve a problem. There you go. Now you can sleep. All right. Thanks so much for sticking with me this week. I really enjoyed bringing this episode to you and I hope you have a great week. Make sure you join our Facebook listener community. I'd love to see you in there. Just search for So You Want to Be a Writer podcast community on Facebook and request to join. And of course, feel free to connect with me on social media. I'm at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O on Twitter and Instagram. And I'm also at ValerieKoo.com. That's my other life when I'm moonlighting. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. And I look forward to chatting to you again next time. 
Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Writer. You'll find the show notes at writercentre.com.au slash podcast or sign up for our awesome and often hilarious weekly newsletter at writercentre.com.au slash news where you'll find writing resources, giveaways, competitions and much more.